From the Alex Trebek stage at Sony Picture Studios, this is Inside Jeopardy! Hello and welcome back to Inside Jeopardy, your exclusive and official podcast destination for all things happening in the world of Jeopardy, even in the summer. I'm Sarah Foss and I'm joined today by Buzzy Cohen, a little tired Buzzy Cohen, I do think. A little tired. Dare coming, to say. Coming off the uh, 4th of July holiday. Well, I had a great time, but you know, sometimes you need a vacation from the vacation. It's so true. How about you? I feel the same. A little lake life in Michigan did me well, but then we're just back at it. You yeah. Know? Life is back. But I do the love summer. Turns. My children home from school. Yes. Joining us in the pod, actually. We, we, we each have, have one some... child in the pod today because the older siblings. It was take your older sibling to the Inside Jeopardy podcast day. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's summer. We're very excited because today is the day we are kicking off our series of interviews with some of our Jeopardy masters, some of our Jeopardy greats. And first up, oh my goodness, I'm so excited. I Sam, know. bring it, Buttry. I'm busting. Ah, he's going to be joining us later in the pod. So looking forward to that. Buzz Can't is busting. I'm busting. But before we can see what Sam has been up to, we first have to get to the highlights of last week's game. So get right into it, everybody. Cue, Cue those, those beep boops. We kicked off the week with returning champion Elena DiToro going for her second win up against Elliot Kim and Sarah Daly. Our new challenger, Elliot, was on fire in the Jeopardy round, scoring an incredible 18 correct responses and a $5,000 daily double. He didn't let up in double Jeopardy, adding 10 more correct responses and another $5,000 daily double on his way to a no-doubt runaway win. This was a big game. His Jeopardy round alone, you know, we ran the stats. Wow. Yeah. Carlos was right on the stats. Second best of the entire season. Wow. Only after Chris Panulo. So Elliot had 15,200 at the end of the Jeopardy round. Chris Panulo, 16,200. So really clearly, impressive. Elliot got off to a hot start and he was in his rhythm. Yeah. Unfortunately, everyone did miss Final Jeopardy, but yeah. it didn't matter. It doesn't matter, you know? No, when it's but a runaway, Final doesn't matter. I did love that Elena's high school history teacher, Marion Campbell, had been a two-day Jeopardy champ back in the 90s. I had a high school teacher, English teacher of mine, who came to every one of my tapings. Oh, he lives really? in L.A. now. He's retired to L.A., yep. And uh, he taught me some of the material that I got right and some that I got wrong on the Jeopardy stage. And I think he he always felt like he was a little slow, but I think in his prime he would have been a great Jeopardy champion. So Dean Slider, if you're listening, just know I'm thinking of you. Well, hopefully Elena is now reaching out to her high school teacher because yes, now it's at the aired. time <laughs> she didn't. She said she didn't let anyone know except for her family because, you know, you never know what's going to happen on the Alex Trebek stage. Some people so. don't even let their family know, so already you're a step ahead. All right, well, moving on to Tuesday where Elliot returned to face Kate Campolita and Chuck Beam. Elliot had a slower start than he did on Monday, leaving the door open for Kate to take a strong lead into double jeopardy where she continued her solid play and cruised into our second runaway in a row of the week. And this is the 4th of July show. Oh, my God. Fireworks well, for Kate. Kate gained some independence from having to play Final Jeopardy ah. with that runaway game. I'm just trying here. Really exciting to have two runaway games. Sometimes, like, the runaways, when it's one champion, feel like it can. you can... You're like, come on, I want to see someone go sure. for it. But when it's kind of like back-to-back -back players getting runaways against each other, I find that kind of exciting. 
Well, and I find it exciting that Kate revealed, you know, what she did to prepare for Jeopardy. Mm-hmm. She watched a lot of Crash Course with oh, John Green. And I we love-, love John Green, friend of the show. And I think that is another, just add that to your preparation arsenal, Crash yeah. Course. Love John Green. Also a big fan of Hank Green. I love yeah, the whole Green crew. Smart cookies in that family. Huh? Smart family. Uh, Ken even thought that final was tough and he doesn't think he would have gotten in 30 seconds. So... That you has know, to make you feel good make you as feel a better. contestant. When yep. Ken Jennings, the goat, says, you know what, that was tough. I wouldn't have gotten there in 30 seconds. You're like, all right, I can go home proud. We hear from so many interesting people on this podcast about their love for learning. What if you could learn from the world's best all in one place? You can with Masterclass. With Masterclass, you can learn from the best to become your best. Masterclass is the only streaming platform where you can learn and grow with over 200 of the world's best for just $10 a month. And you can access Masterclass on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even in audio mode. Confidently navigate the media with the influential, intellectual Noam Chomsky. Use science to solve your problems with Bill Nye. Or learn from the past with Pulitzer Prize-winning historian... Doris Kearns Goodwin. I personally enjoy James Clear's class that is helping me build smarter habits to help tackle daily challenges. Right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com slash Jeopardy. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash Jeopardy. Masterclass.com slash Jeopardy. Factors ready to eat meals make eating better every day easy. When my schedule gets busy, it's nice to have pre-prepared, chef-created, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to my door. With over 35 different options a week to choose from and over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons, make your weekly meal planning even more delicious and easy with Factor. Plus, Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Head to factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 and use code Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. That's code Jeopardy50 at factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. All right, let's move on to Wednesday's game, shall we? Well, we shall. And Kate returned to face Aubrey Gillerin and Angie Nyquist. It was a slow start for our players in this game, but Aubrey found his stride in double Jeopardy, heading into final with a near runaway. But Angie, the only one to come up with the correct response in final, going from third place to earn an exciting come-from-behind win. Ken closed out the show with, you never know what's going to happen on Jeopardy. And boy, that is true. Yeah, I just got (laughs) to give a shout-out to... A really great play uh, from Angie. Sometimes in third place, you're like, oh, they're going to bet against each other, and I can just sit tight and kind of bet mm-hmm. zero. Angie, you earned that one. Congratulations. And I don't think Angie still believes that she won. She was shocked in the moment. She was <laughs> laughing throughout the post-game chat. Ken joked, you look like you just won Jeopardy as as a bit. You know, yeah. like, hey, you look. And she said, she's been watching since she's 13. She never thought she would be on the stage and now I won, so that is crazy. Yeah. And even Kate, she said, you know, there were a few of us on this tape day. We were just here for the vibes. Totally. So I know how you feel, girl, she said to Angie. Just <laughs> take it in. And Aubrey added that his husband had applied for the show five times, and he thought, you know what, I'm just going to apply and see how it goes. Yeah. And then here he is. So all of these stories, just to tell anyone who's listening, give it a try. Yeah. Just take the anytime test. It takes 15 minutes. You never know. And you could end up like Angie, and Angie gets to say that she is a Jeopardy! champion 
for the rest, for the rest of, of her, her life. life. And Ken and said, you know, I got some bad news for you. You're going to have to come <laughs> back and play tomorrow. And she said, okay, I have a warmer shirt. As I, she wore a sweater the next day because, <laughs> let's be honest, it's cold it on that is stage. cold on that stage. And as much as we tell you that, and the contestant team does tell people that, you know. You don't believe them. There are so many layers behind the scenes. Um, it's crazy. There are people in parkas, ski yeah. hats. You name it. I've got hand warmers. I don't know if you know that. I I do know that. Yes. I do know that. I've and I've seen um, Mindy Jennings sometimes with a blanket and the hand yes, warmers. Yes, Mindy yeah. does bring a blanket. You know, she's been around for a yeah, few years. Yeah, she's she she's knows, a pro. She knows how to do it. Well, we head into Thursday with Angie going up against Alex Gordon and Carol Oppenheim. Alex got out to an early lead, but really turned it on in double jeopardy with 13 correct responses and both daily doubles, finishing the round with nearly twenty-three thousand dollars and. Another runaway on this week. Another runaway. It's runaway week. First off, this show aired on my dad's birthday, so I'm going to say happy birthday, dad. I like to do that kind of stuff. Buzzy's dad. We know he listens. We know he listens. Um, And I, what I think is really amazing is that even without the $7,500 of daily doubles, I mean, he doesn't have a runaway, but Alex has a big lead. So it just goes to show, you know, sometimes you have those runaway games where it's like the daily doubles. Right. are really like the decider. This was, if you just look at Coriat, still a well-played game by Alex. And that had to feel good for Alex because he missed his medical school graduation oh to be here on this day. And Angie even joked to him, happy graduation, that was my present to you. You know, <laughs> losing the game. She did that for him. And Ken asked, did it validate your decision? And Ken joked, unless they were going to give you a $25,001 grant. Yes. And it was such a sweet moment because Alex's mom was in the audience. And he had said, you know, I always knew this was the right decision, but I don't know that my parents did. Right. And she stood up and she kissed him and she was crying. And it was just such a beautiful moment. The nachis that as a parent you must have on the day that your kid gets their diploma from med school and wins on America's favorite quiz show. I mean, I can't imagine as a parent, as a child. like As we look across at our our children. One day. All right. Well, we closed out the week with Alex going for his second win up against Tom Zaleski and Raquel Stewart. Alex got off to a good start in the Jeopardy round and never looked back from there, ending the double Jeopardy round with 25 correct responses and a runaway score for the second time in a row and we were so happy to see this because we had a little bit of a a streak of one day champions which is great because you make that many more Jeopardy champions in one week but we were wanting to see a little streak build and here Alex broke our four day streak of one day winners. I'm glad that Alex did break that one day streak but you know what sometimes it's like we get so used to, especially in last season where we had all these super champs. It's like this this is is the kind of like one day champ thing, one or two, it's like kind of helps you appreciate those moments even more, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. And, you know, Ken made sure Alex had a clear calendar. He could be back next week. He didn't <laughs> have to miss any big events. And uh, he will be back next week. That wraps up our game highlights. But instead of diving into viewer questions, we've got questions for Sam Buttry. So let's welcome Sam Buttry to the pod. Sam, so good to see you. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Good to be here. Oh, you know, it's only been less than two months since we saw you last, and yet it's too long, Sam. Everyone wants more Sam Buttry. <laughs> that seems unlikely, but I'm delighted to be here. I myself have had enough of Sam Buttry, as you can understand. <laughs> I really can't. You know, this is a series we wanted to kick off of checking in with our masters and just seeing what life has been like for you, you know, since that epic prime time showdown. It has been uh, somewhat different than my life after the last uh, Jeopardy tournaments that I've been in. I think there's been 
more attention paid. I feel like I'm being recognized more and in uh, places that I wouldn't expect to get recognized. But, uh, you know, the level of, I don't want to say harassment, the level of fun <laughs> is about where it should be. I haven't been bothered. I, people seem very complimentary. And, uh, you know, my life is slowly getting back to normal. What's the most surprising place that you've been recognized? Uh, my wife and I just got back from a working vacation, at least working on my part, in, in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And I thought, well, that's about as far away as you can get from where I live in the Monterey area. And I told her, you know, we're accustomed to being stopped on the street out here in California, but there's no chance that we'll be stopped. And, oh, hello, Jackie from the sandwich shop. Yes, you may have a picture. I want to roll back the clock, if I may, because you may, when we started the Inside Jeopardy podcast, you had already been on the Professor's Tournament. Inside Jeopardy, we kind of started talking about you in anticipation of the TOC. So I would love to kind of go back even before the Professor's Tournament and talk about like I want to go back to Sam's audition. Can we go back? Yes, that that's far? kind of. I want to actually. I want to go further back yes. than that. It goes without saying. Someone who performs at your level is a fan of the show. But like, how did it go from I'm a fan to I'm going to take a test. I'm going to audition. There's this thing called the professors tournament. Take me there, Sam. Well, our story begins, <laughs> ironically <laughs> enough, in Rome, Italy, many years ago. Ah. Uh, no, I, I, it turns out I was born in Rome, but that's not relevant to your question. I think, you know, I've always been a Jeopardy fan, as I've said, going way back to the uh, to the Art Fleming days. And I had tried on and off to take the, the, the test before it was in the anytime version. Of course, you had to, to think about it. I'd taken the test a number of times. I had been to at least one of those big meetings you guys used to put on at a hotel. I, I don't think I'd really expected to get the, the final call. You know, a lot of people get put on the list and told to wait 18 months. And I, I would have been happy, I think, to be in that group. But of course, I'm happier to be here now. Well, and when we did our one-on-one -on -one audition, it was during the heart of COVID. So I had stepped into the contestant department, which is why I was so fortunate to come across you. I looked back at my notes and I said, resembles Eugene Levy, not Steve Martin. <laughs> but I will say, Sam, you had a much different look at home during COVID when you weren't, you know, the face of the professor. You were a little more casual, a little more facial hair, I think. <laughs> that may have been true. That was <laughs> pandemic times. Yes. Facial hair, head hair, really, really all the hairs, all the hairs. were involved in those All days. the hairs were there. But when I talked to you, we didn't even know about the professor's tournament. It was really just to audition people, to get them in the pool. And then I think they said, hey, we've got this great contestant and he's a professor. Home run. We get to the professor's tournament. We had never done something like that. And you really did excel throughout. If there was anyone that really hit the quarterfinals with a stride, the semifinals and the finals, like that was Sam Buttry. It was your tournament to lose, it really felt like. Yeah, I, I made a critical wagering error at one point. But other than that, I thought I acquitted myself well. I, I swept into the semifinals. I won that game against, I think, two pretty strong players. And then I nearly ran away with the two two-day total point affair. Ah, yes, we Not love that. Quite. And I faced a strong <laughs> player in Ed Hashima. I don't know if the folks remember Ed, but they should. He was a very nice man and a strong player. But I was delighted to come out the other end. It had never been explicitly said that the professor's tournament champion would, in fact, get a bid into the tournament of champions until, I think, the last day. It was implied. We didn't tell you that, it. Sam? Oh, my goodness. I learned it on air from <laughs> Mayim Bialik, bless her heart. So uh, that made my heart go, and, and here I quote, pit-a-pat. <laughs> ah, so what were those months like? You know, you're a professor's champion, and now you know you're coming back to the TOC, and you're watching the Matamodios, <laughs> the Amy Schneiders, the Mateo Roach. Like, you're seeing this all unfold and knowing that you'll be facing them. 
So uh, I had already seen the wonder that is Matt. So I knew I was up against at least one enormous champion. But when Matt finally lost, and I wasn't delighted, but it was fun to see a new face. There was Jonathan Fisher winning, I don't know, 10 in a row. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, this is not going to go well. And then there was Ryan Long and Matea. I forget what order. Amy, Amy, I think, was taping. Got, her taping was interrupted for our tournament. Yes. So we hadn't seen her, but she came on quite quickly. So I thought, you know what? Uh, it's just nice to be invited. And man, if I could win one. You know, at, at that time, I thought it would be the same format as the professors, where there might be wild cards available to sneak into the second round. And honestly, that was my my goal at that time. Sneak into the second round and, and anything can happen. Well, and for those who don't remember, in the quarterfinals, you go up against Zach Newkirk and Jessica Stevens. Tough competition. You win. Then in the semifinals, you go up against a seated Matt Amodio and John Folk, and you win, Sam. It was a shock to everyone. For, for half an hour afterwards, I could only say a phrase that sounds a little bit like, holy <laughs> stuff. That was the only words I could say. I, I, people maybe underestimate how strong a player John Folk was. Yes. yes. Uh, and Matt, of course, was spectacular. And I, I, I think in retrospect, it helped that I had those two guys because they were fighting against one another mm-hmm. as well as me. But I was able to uh, get a little bit ahead. I found a daily double when I needed to and uh, brought Final Jeopardy home. And of course, Matt and I are friends, uh, but we weren't really at the time, and he was 100% gracious about it. I was delighted with uh, with Matt starting from the first, basically the first time I met him. And we saw that you two just got together. You had a little rendezvous, you and your buddy Matt. That's right. He's a <laughs> resident of uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts. And as I say, I was up in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, where the Navy has a facility, which is ironically, it's called the Portsmouth Naval Shipyard. So perhaps unsurprisingly, it's actually in, in Kittery, Maine. But uh, my... <laughs> My, I was planning to meet up with my brother down in Boston, so we, we got there a night early and met up with Matt and his girlfriend, two very charming people, and we had a nice time, you know, dinner and so on, and uh, just good to get back together. He and I and all of the other masters uh, are in touch over over the magic telephone. Well, I would imagine that after you beat him when you guys would meet up, you would pick up the tab. Now that he went further than you in masters, mm. is he picking up the tab, or are you guys back to going Dutch? What's the... <laughs> <laughs> there was... There was a brief period where I required that he pick up the tab. Yeah. Uh, he, he and Andrew, he and I had had a three-way bet on this. Uh, but my, my wife got tired of me shoving the check away. So we, uh, we split this most okay. recent one. Okay. All right. Well, we finish out that TOC. You pull out one win, but you fought for a lot of those wins, coming really close, taking it to six games, which was a thrill for all of us. The TOC concludes... Tell us about the journey to when you start hearing about Masters, that there's a chance that you're coming back yet again to the Alex Trebek stage. Right. I should not have underestimated anything that <laughs> Mr. Davies decides to do, but I had assumed at the end that my my Jeopardy days were over. And, and that would have been, I think, a fun way to go out, to have uh, ended up in the finals, even though I didn't do as well as I would have liked. So uh, actually, the first I heard of it, I honestly thought it was Jeopardy bringing back the seniors tournament, <laughs> which they'd had some years mm-hmm. back. And although I don't uh, feel it on the inside, I look at it on the outside old enough to be in such a tournament. So I said to myself, I got a shot at this thing, you know. <laughs> and then I realized, oh, no, no, you're going to go in with, you know, Holtzauer and Matt Amodio, who is hungry and angry and, and uh, you know, Amy and Matei and all those folks. So uh, I was just delighted to be thought of in that in the same breath as those guys. You know, I, I've had a little bit of imposter syndrome, which I'm trying to get rid of, but it sometimes feels as if I'm in for comic relief, you know, that there are the great Jeopardy players and then there's the <laughs> amusing guy who looks a little bit like Rick Moranis, the movie actor. Now, we knew you had humor even, you know, back to the professor's tournament, but I feel like you've 
allowed yourself to bring it out more as different competitions have gone on. Do you feel like that? Yeah, I, in a way, I've almost made a conscious decision to try to not suppress my natural personality. I, I think people do that on Jeopardy. They want to be focused, I mean, which is important. And they also want to respect the game. And I want to make sure that, that I do that as well. So I think there's room for a little more banter, uh, at least in this group where everybody knows one another. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that I would do the same when I was playing against strangers with whom I didn't have this sort of rapport. So uh, I, I'm delighted to have had a chance to simultaneously be focused enough on the game to do well, and also to have a moment or two of lightheartedness. The, the one thing I don't want to do is make it sound like I'm not taking Jeopardy seriously, or I'm not taking Ken and Mayam and the memory of Alex Trebek seriously, because I am. But I'm also happy that I've been able to say a couple things that struck people as amusing. Yeah. Oh yeah, KJ, K-Dog. How <laughs> did Bring It first come about in your mind? Did that just, you know, Bring It? How did that come about? I have always been struck by this weird thing. I know Buzzy's had the same thing where where there's one clue left, nobody knows what to do. Yeah. Do you wait and have Ken <laughs> or Mayim say, and now the final clue, or do you try to get out ahead of them and say, and I'll also take the 200? There, there's never been a, a, a policy for that. So I thought I was going to get out ahead of that. Yeah. And I don't know that bring it was the particular phrase <laughs> that I had planned, but, but there, there it was. And I had to call for it. And it became clear that, uh, that people liked that, and I liked it. So um, I, it was fun to see my fellow competitors using that. At one point in, a, I guess, a Shakespeare category, Amy said, bringeth it. Oh, yes. Yeah. Which, while not grammatically impeccable, certainly gets the spirit across. <laughs> and in the syndicated show, contestants have continued to honor you. Bring It shows up every few weeks or so. So you're a part of it all, Sam. I'm part of Jeopardy lore. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> well, if I can do a little squashing of your imposter syndrome. Ah, uh, yes. I want to pull out some stats here. When you faced James in the quarterfinals, you were very evenly matched. James with 22 correct, 2 incorrect. Sam, 19 correct, 1 incorrect. James with 48 buzzer attempts. Sam with 40 buzzer attempts. Buzzer percentage, James at 44%. Sam at 50%. 50. You know, you were 90% correct response rate, 50% buzzer percentage, which is really high in this field, uh, second only to James overall. Obviously, number one in our hearts. I have a question I would like to ask you. What is the statistic over the course of your entire time on the Jeopardy stage that you are most proud of? First, I just want to go back to the imposter syndrome and say the statistic I think I'm least proud of is, and and I haven't double-checked this, I believe I'm the person who has lost more Jeopardy games lifetime than anyone ever, (laughs) including people who who have played in a lot of tournaments like Brad and James, uh, well, James and Ken. Uh, I believe I'm the world champion loser at Jeopardy. Mm. Wow, we're going to check those stats. So you're saying people who've been in Battle of the Decades, Ultimate Tournament Champion, Million Dollar Masters, it doesn't matter, you win losing. I think it's me. Okay. You know, you have to have something on your tombstone. If there's room after they put bring it underneath, (laughs) biggest Jeopardy loser. Um, Yeah, I was very excited. I don't know about the one statistic I'm proudest of, but I really felt I was in that game with James all the way. I was ahead in double Jeopardy. Mm Uh, until the two daily doubles came up, and it was some. It was uh, no one other than Buzzy Cohen who pointed out a tactical error I'd made. Ah, yes, I had we did confused point that out. how many daily doubles there had been. Right, uh-huh. and I, I picked a second time in a, in a category, which in the happens. grand scheme of things, it happens. Yeah, and it might not kill you as long as you get that clue. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but of course, I'm up against Holtzauer, so that's tough. Uh, the thing I'm most proud of, I think, uh, honestly. 
I have two things. One is all the way back in my Sarah Foss tryout days. Yes. And I don't know if I'm allowed to reveal this. You may have to edit this out. I had missed a question. I'd passed on yes. a question as this we were going. This is so true. This? I totally remember this. Words that start down with the same letter, and I passed. And about four questions later, in between the ones she was asking me yes. every 15 seconds, I said, Mausoleum! And she said afterwards, well, I counted it. And my weird daydream is, without that, I would never have made it to Jeopardy. <laughs> now, maybe I would have, but that one question. And then the thing I think that really made me into the sort of player that would show up on the podcast is beating Matt Amodio. And, and mm. I don't want to say beating. I was in a game against <laughs> Matt and John, and I won the game. Mm. Because uh, you know how it is. You don't really beat the other two. You're playing against the board, yeah. and there's a three-way interaction. Yeah. Uh, but to get ahead, to get ahead a big daily double, and to get the final Jeopardy and walk away uh, with the, the pass into the finals, even though I've been through a lot more with the Masters, that was something that uh, I think really made me into this internationally famous man of mystery right, you yeah. see in front of mm -hmm. you. And also uh, just something I really remember very fondly. Well, we know Masters was a huge success, but you were there early on when the criticism came in. You're having only six players. This is the TOC repeat. Throw in James Holtzauer. And then, obviously, I think the six of you proved exactly why you were chosen. But what was it like kind of heading into Masters and, and hearing the doubters, if you will? Well, there's a, a funny thing about haters, Sarah, <laughs> that you may not know. I don't know. And that is... Uh, they're going to continue to, I, I don't know, they're going to continue to hate. I will say that I understood the criticisms. The fact that uh, the five of us had been in the TOC seemingly weeks before, um, and then they, they picked up James, who was obviously one of the great players ever. Uh, but, you know, if I may say, where's Buzzy? Where's Brad? Sam Cavanaugh had a nice piece on Twitter where he didn't say anything bad. He just felt that he was sad, not because he was overlooked, but because he was excited about playing Jeopardy. So I, I felt that... I understood where that was coming from. But I do think that after the fact, I hope everybody will look back on the Masters and say it was immensely entertaining. Mm -hmm. That's what I thought. Yeah. And now, of course, we've gotten more of the uh, Jeopardy pyramid out of Michael Davies. So some of those people that would have been in people's lists of Masters, like the Sam Cavanaugh's, maybe an Austin Rogers. A Brad Rudder. You a mentioned Brad Rudder. Brad Rudder. Um, Matt Jackson. Matt Jackson. Yes. Will Sam Cavanaugh. Likely, possibly maybe be in the JIT, but who we do know will be in the JIT will be you, Amy, and Andrew. The Jeopardy Invitational Tournament. If yes, people aren't sorry. familiar, we call it the JIT here on Inside J. I figure if but you're listening to Inside J, you're inside. You should know, but we do have the Jeopardy Invitational Tournament, and remember that the three of you who did not come in the top three of Masters will be there along with other invited guests, and the plan has always been that this is the chance for people who maybe haven't been recently able to prove that they are one of the best to get another chance to get that direct entrance into Masters. Who you looking forward to coming up against? How you're preparing? What's it like to know you're coming back? Okay, those are a couple of good mm -hmm. questions. I would like to just note, though, that once the JIT, that's the Jeopardy Invitational ah, Tournament, yes, Sam. once that was announced, uh, I think the whole Masters lineup made a lot more sense. So rather than somebody like Austin Rogers was a very strong player, but if you're looking to take the, the top five, six, seven, four from right this minute, I'm happy to have been part of that. So I think it all makes sense. And now we have to worry about the uh, the JIT. I, I guess the format, the number of invitees has not been announced. I, I'm really looking forward just to meeting some of these people that I was uh, very excited about as Jeopardy players before I myself became one. For instance, I haven't met Brad and that would be neat. Honestly, I'd like to meet Colby from the yeah. teacher's tournament. Yes. 
because he turned into a superstar. That's right. Yeah. And of course, uh, just to be selfish, I'm also looking forward to taking on Amy and Andrew uh-huh. again because this time I'm going to get a. But I will say something which I'm not sure anybody listening in the podcast cares about, but I will tell you guys. Uh, and and uh, Buzzy knows what it means to prepare for Jeopardy. I don't think I was very efficient at, at preparing. So I'm faced with a choice in my life. You know, you may not be able to tell just by looking at me, no. but I'm actually one of the older players in, mm. uh, in the Pantheon. What? It's weird, right? Yeah. It's color balance on my ah. uh, on my camera. But I, I have to decide right now, am I going to try to devote, let's say, a year of my life to getting really, really good at Jeopardy and hoping to come out the other side in a tournament that I know in advance is going to have a lot of variability? And there'll probably be, you're not committing yourself, but 15 players, 21 players, whatever the number is, uh, in order to get back into the Masters, because I love the Masters. But, uh, you know, there's always the risk that you spend a year preparing for Jeopardy and get flame out in the first round for whatever reason. I have no idea what you're talking about, Sam. (laughs) Oh, perhaps perhaps you haven't heard about Buzzy's preparation for All-Stars. It was intense. And there were flames. (laughs) And what are you going to do? Yeah. So... An alternative is I could just enjoy my fame, take the year off, show up, you know, see what happens. And I, I think there's got to be a, a middle ground between that. But, you know, we could talk about all these past champions. I think a lot of the fun would just be meeting them and hanging out with them. Uh, as maybe you know, all of these people, I mean, at least the ones I've met, the, the masters and so on, they are very smart about stuff. They know stuff and they're very quick on their feet. So that makes for great conversations, particularly uh, Andrew and Matt. And I had a lot of fun conversations, and I was really delighted to be treated like a regular guy uh, among a group of people who are, on average, quite a bit younger than I am. And, uh, you know, they would hold doors for me and pull up my chair, (laughs) because I faked injuries a lot (laughs) in other of my strategies. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? (laughs) Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, nothing. No tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. tomatoes? Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. (laughs) If these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. Well, you mentioned that camaraderie, and I think that is something that people saw somewhat on stage during Masters, and people knew somewhat about different things that had happened and what the six of you went through. But really, I've never seen a group that was so bonded and connected and there for each other. And even the fact that you flew back down for the finals and the semifinals to cheer on your fellow masters, even though you hadn't made it to that round. Can you talk about that connection the six of you have? You know, I think it has to do with the fact that we got to play lots of games together in every possible combination. Mm -hmm. In the Tournament of Champions, I made pretty good friends with a number of those players that I never got to play against even once because we were in different first round games, for example. I think it is this idea of an experience that's shared by us and hardly anybody else. I mean, we were the only Jeopardy masters, I suppose, just by name, but uh, hardly anybody 
Buzzy aside, has been in a tournament of champions. I guess uh, Tyler posted his uh, research that there have been more people in outer space than have been in a Jeopardy <laughs> tournament of champions. I saw that. Wow. So, and you're, you know, you're, you're not locked in a room, but you're enclosed in a room with a certain amount of downtime. And uh, all you can do is chat with one another and understand what one another is going through. We get to bond over this crazy fun thing that we're all doing that nobody really knows about. So that's a lot of fun. Speaking of downtime, another important uh, question for this me. Is, this is important. Buzzy's got a new thing he's going to ask all of our masters. Take it away, Buzzy. What is your lunch order when you are on the Sony lot? Well, as you may know, uh, there are a number of different lunch provisos. We've been taken to the uh, the commissary. We have been uh, in a parking lot. The second floor of the parking lot is apparently a nicer oh. lunch setup than the ground <laughs> Yes, you're floor. talking about our COVID lunch arrangements. Yeah. Not, exactly. not the nicest, We're, yes. <laughs> there the choices are the sandwiches. Um, it's a good good question, though, because I, I, I try to take that seriously. I want to get some protein. I don't want to stuff myself. Um, I went with the, uh, the poke bowl, I think, mm. last time I was there. Mm-hmm. There was an occasion where lunch came to us over on the Wheel of Fortune side, a nice lady with a a uh, stack of food and a menu of two or three items. In that case, I got a surprisingly good tofu bowl. Mm. I'm not a vegetarian, but you know, from time to time you go tofu. It was grilled, it had a nice smoky flavor. And like a number of the other players, uh, I enjoy a caffeinated beverage from time to time. So I would go with a Diet Coke, Diet Pepsi, that sort of thing. Well, we alluded how life has changed and being recognized, but I really just wanna hone in on the fact that you are so loved that people watch the show and everyone comes away being a Sam fan. I know Alex was able to experience some of that after his diagnosis and so many people reaching out and saying how much they loved and adored him. And he said, this is so strange. This is normally something you don't hear until after you're gone. And yet he was able to hear it. But I feel like that is happening for you, too. I just the love that people feel for you. What's that like to take in? Yeah, it is a little bewildering. I'm not 100% sure what's happening there. I have my own theories, so I will share them with you. One is that, you know, as I say, I'm an older player, and I, th- I think a lot of the love I'm getting is from older viewers who are happy to see somebody like them do well in a game that seems to be dominated by people in their 20s and 30s. Um, and I also think it's part of another thing I said, which is that maybe I'm a little more effusive, a little more enthusiastic playing, because I've had people send me, you know, emails and what have you. I also get a surprisingly large number of letters in the U.S. mail. People would say, uh, yeah, I just, I really love your your personality and your sense of humor. And I think these people have no idea what my personality is like. They've seen me <laughs> in a 15 second anecdote, you know, half a dozen times. So I, I guess I just give off a vibe of openness and without too much tension that some of the players have. It, it is a little bit bewildering. And occasionally I allow myself to look on social media at Reddit, for example, and uh, I have to sometimes give up because there are just too many people being too excited. I will also say, <laughs> and I bet Buzzy's had this, there is that one out of 100 person who'll say stuff like, you're not funny. And I go, well, maybe not, but did you have to point that <laughs> out? Right. Well, speaking of people commenting online, the game show villain himself, James Holtzauer, shortly after Masters tweeting, I only had briefly met Sam Brutzeri prior to these tapings, but his charm and wit were immediately evident. When he wasn't busy winning America's Hearts, he was the only Masters contestant to outperform me on the signaling device head-to-head. Check the box scores. Uh, I, I, the people at home may not know that 
James is a delightful man who is uh, putting on an act for the benefit of the cameras. And I've had to explain this to quite a lot of people, including family members, who tell me, I hate James. Yeah. Like, I don't hate James. James. There's nothing to hate. He's a, a very nice man. It was nice of him. He said nice things about all of us. Uh, and I will say that when people want to talk to me about Jeopardy, they ask about the experience. Uh, and I've had very few people ask me, what's Matea really like, even though they're spectacular. And lots and lots of people ask me what James is really mm. But I think he intrigues a lot of people mm-hmm. with his act. Mm-hmm. And I'm here to inform people that it is an act. He's a, you know, a family man. He tells stories about his wife and daughter. He's very active in charity. And in fact, I'll be joining him in a charitable endeavor in August in his hometown of Las Vegas. The, uh, the folks at home may not know that James puts together a charity event that's supposed to help people get on, and here I quote, their favorite game show. I don't think they mentioned which one it uh, is. Ah, we know. I know that Jeopardy will have a little bit of an official representation. That's right. There. Yes, we'll be there. Will, will you yourself be there? I will sir? not be there. I have to keep my lines more declared now that I'm a producer. I can't just be interviewing contestants sense. like Sam Buttry anymore. <laughs> the way I use That's right. They uh, Actually, having interviewed me, you said, well, that's it. I can, <laughs> I can never do better than that. But I'll be on a panel with uh, Fritz Holznagel, who wrote the book about the buzzer. buzzer. I'll be on a panel about the buzzer, maybe because I hold it funny. I'm not sure, but... Well, maybe James wanted you to do that because you outbuzzed him. Ah, maybe he wants to hear some secrets. Well, you mentioned that not as many people ask you about Matea, but we can assure you all six of you are fantastic humans, wonderful (laughs) players. The best ambassadors, you know, we really struck the uh, contestant lottery with our masters. We're so thankful to have you as a part of our Jeopardy family. And I'm just excited because I know I get to see Sam Buttry on the Alex Trebek stage again for the JIT, the JIT, the Jeopardy Invitational Tournament, whatever you want to call it. But I can't wait to see you again on that stage, Sam. You bring so much joy and you're just a pleasure to see play that game. Thank you. I'm looking forward to getting back there, re, uh, remaking some old acquaintances, catching up with the two of you. Although I don't like hanging out with you two guys because my hair definitely comes through ah. in any matchup with you. Oh, two. good. There's something that I can win against Sam Buttry because yeah, it's not in America's hearts, I don't think. <laughs> Aww. But thank you very much for thinking of me. I, I, uh, I have been catching most of the podcasts and I'm kind of looking forward to seeing this one, although my voice always sounds better to me than it does on the air. Before you leave now, are there any new tunes that we should look out for? You know, don't put your cat butt in my face. Are there any new jingles? I've been working on a couple. One is about (laughs) a guy who is unhappy with his wife, girlfriend, loved one, I'm not sure. He's having difficulty communicating, and the title of the song is Don't Answer in the Form of a Question. Mm. Ah. It's good advice for all of us. (laughs) This is good. And I have another one about uh, don't read the comments, Mm. and it comes from social media. You know, you post a thing, that's fine, but the temptation is to see what people Mm-mm. think of it. Don't do it. And uh, it turns out to be a mistake. Yeah. So I, I think we, someone needs to put that into song. Sam, we wish you a wonderful summer. We'll see you back here, hopefully, before we know it. And thanks so much for joining the pod. Thanks for thinking of me. It's been great to chat with you guys. I can't even picture Sam in my head and not smile. I know. I just love an it. Incredible I picture guy. him either singing, you know, one of his great tunes, or just talking with us. So thanks so much for Sam joining us and... That wraps it up. Yeah, that brings us to the end of today's show. We'll be back next week for more gameplay discussion, and we'll be joined by Jeopardy Master, the one, the only, Amy Schneider. I can't wait for that. As always, please subscribe to the podcast, rate us, leave us a comment, share across social, and follow us at Jeopardy on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, and on TikTok. And send us your questions to Podcast at gmail.com. We'll see y'all next week. 